Good evening, everybody. Good evening. I hope you can all hear me. I'd like to discuss something tonight which I feel is very relevant. As a preparation for the Yom Inoroim, as we head towards Rosh Hashanah in a few days' time, but also relevant to also relevant to the end of a difficult year, an extremely difficult year that we've had, all of us around the world, particularly in the shul itself. The last few weeks have been extremely difficult. And we're all looking for something to to be able to grab onto, to help us arrive at the Yom Meroim, to arrive at Rosh Hashanah in a frame of mind where we can have the confidence that this year, this Rosh Hashanah will bring us a year that we see as being a much better year. The end of this terrible pandemic that we're still in the midst of and the end of this, the terrible Taurus, which we've struggled with over the last year, year and a bit. Very difficult to find an area which is relevant and very pertinent to the situation we find ourselves in. But I want to share with you a piece of Gomorrah, which is really, that's all I want to discuss tonight, is a piece of Gomorrah. A piece of Gomorrah which tells us and gives us a fantastic piece of advice just prior to us entering into the Yom Hadin, into the Day of Judgment. A piece of advice that's priceless. But in order to really understand this piece of advice, we need to see and understand the Gemara in entirety. It's a piece of Gemara that tells us three stories. And I'm going to discuss the three stories of the Gemara and understand and elaborate on each of those stories until we can understand the message that Chazal is trying to give us and which will be a, an unbelievable preparation for all of us as we head towards the Day of Judgment. The Gemara tells us in Mesech Shabbos, in Daf Kuf Chavzayin, 127, the Gemara tells us, Hadon Chaveiroi Lekaf Zuchus. Somebody who judges his friend, Lekaf Zuchus, in a positive manner, he judges his friend favorably, then Chazal tell us, Donin Oisoi Lekaf Zuchus. HaKadosh Baruch in return will judge him favorably. And if there's ever a time that we are desperate for HaKadosh Baruch to judge us favorably, and of course we're desperate every year, but where it's really felt and it's tangible and, and uh, the emotions are run so high that we so much need a, a favorable day of judgment, HaKadosh Baruch should look at us favorably, is definitely as we head towards Rosh Hashanah this year. And so Chazal are giving us a very simple answer, a very simple idea, something that we can really tap into and enable us to have a Yom Hadin where HaKadosh Baruch judges us favorably. But before we jump to conclusions and ex- expect this to be a simple answer, we need to see the three stories of Chazal. We need to understand Chazal. Because why did Chazal say, Hadon Chavei Yelikav Sechuz, Don Inoisei Lizchuz? Someone who judges his friend favorably, HaKadosh Baruch will judge him favorably. Judging favorably is a mitzvah saseh. B'sedek tishpait es amisecho. The Pesach tells us you should judge your friend righteously, meaning we learn from there that you should always judge your friend, your friend favorably. 
Yeah, Chazal don't just tell us the assay. They tell us to stage more. And they tell us that if you judge your friend favorably, then HaKadosh Baruch Hu in return will judge you favorably. And in order to, to elaborate and to expand on that concept, the Gemara gives us three stories, three fascinating stories. The first story the Gemara tells us took place. These are stories that happened, all these three stories happened in the time of the Mishnah, in the time when Chazal lived in Eretz Yisrael, pre the destruction of the Beis HaMikdosh. And the Gemara tells us the story as follows. There was a man who lived in the upper Galilee. He lived up north in Eretz And he was, he entered into the employment of a certain homeowner in the south for three years. Our Gemara doesn't tell us who this gentleman was. And it doesn't tell us who the employer was. But we know from the Shiltas. The Shiltas is a safer written by one of the Ga'inim from the Ga'inic times. And he writes there that the gentleman who this Gemara is referring to, this story is discussing, was Rebbe Kiva. The holy Tana Rebbe Kiva, the Tana Rebbe Kiva, before he became Rebbe Kiva, when he was still a shepherd, prior to marrying Rochel, before he went to the base of Medrash and became the very famous Rebbe Kiva as we know. He was then a working man. He was already married and he had children. And he lived in the upper Galilee. He lived in what the Gemara calls me Galil HaElyon in the upper Galilee, and in order to feed his family, his wife and family, bring some daily bread into the house, he traveled down south to the employment of a certain homeowner. Again, the Gemara doesn't tell us who this homeowner was, but the Shiltas tells us it was Rebbe Lozab and Hawkins. So we're talking about here two unbelievable people, Rebbe Kiba, prior to becoming the Rebbe Kiba, he was still a plain, simple man, a layman, unlearned, hadn't yet learned. He only started learning much later on in life when he went to the base of Medrash, when he went to the base of Medrash and he learned Aleph base and became, eventually grew to become the Rekiva, the Tanner Rekiva, the father of all Chazal that we have today. And he went down south and worked for three years. So he left home. We assume he didn't go back home again because the Gemara doesn't tell us he went home in the middle. Three years he left his wife and family and traveled down south in order to earn some panasa, to earn a living that he could feed his wife and children. After the three years on Erev Yem HaKippurim, the Gemara tells us it was Erev Yem HaKippurim, he came into the homeowner, he came into Rebbe and Hokanus, came into Rebbe and Hokanus, and he said to him, please, I've worked for you for three years, give me my wages so I'll be able to go and provide for my wife and children. Simple. He's worked for three years, hasn't received his wages. Wealthy man of Lozman Hawkins was a very wealthy man. He inherited his father Hawkins's estate. He was a very wealthy man. He said, please give me my wages. I've worked with you for three years. I want to go home and feed my children. They're home starving. They're waiting for me. They're expecting me to come back and give them basic food. So Lozman Hawkins says, Ainley Moise, I don't have any money. He said, I don't have any money. So Rebbe Kiva said to him, okay, you don't have any money, I understand. Ten me, ten me pears. Give me some produce. You've got fields and fields, farms, where you've grown produce. Give me some produce. So Rebbe Lezabin Hawkness answered, Ainley, I don't have any produce. So Rebbe Kiva said, you don't have produce, so give me karka, give me land. You're a huge landowner, a wealthy landowner. Give me land. 
So he said to him, I don't have any land. So Rabbi Kiva didn't stop there. He said, okay, so give me behemoths, give me animals, give me livestock, something that I can go home and be able to sustain my family. Again, Rabbi Lezben Hawkins says, I don't have any animals. So Rabbi Kiva didn't stop there and he continued. He said, okay, tenly Karim Vakastas, give me pillows and cushions. Okay, go to your home within your house. Pull, me, pull out your pillows and cushions and give them to me for a payment. At least I can come home and give my children a bit of bread, something to eat. And he said to him, I'm sorry, I don't have any, any cushions, pillows and cushions. I don't have. So the Gemara tells us that he picked up, Rabbi Kiva picked up his belongings and he went home, nefesh. He went home totally dejected, totally dejected. After the Yom Tovim, the Gemara tells us, the Belezim and Hukness went up to the upper Galilee, went up to the Galil HaElyon and knocked on the door of Rabbi Kiva. He took with him what Chazal described as Masoi Shleishach the three donkeys worth of loaded with goods. One was loaded with food and drink. One was loaded with various sweet delicacies, luxuries. So with one of food, one of drink, and one of sweet delicacies. And he went up to the upper Galilee and he knocked on his workers, employees' door. Kiva took him in gave him food, fed him, and gave him to drink. After they finished eating, Rebeleza ben Hukinus brought in the donkeys, gave him his wages, and said, here, this is for you. And then he said, tell me something, says Rebeleza ben Hukinus. When you asked me to pay your wages, what did you think? What did you think? What did, what were your, what did you suspect me of? So he replied, Rebekah replied, I said to myself, perhaps... Underpriced merchandise had come your way. There was a job opportunity here to make money. And you bought it with the monies that you'd put aside to pay me with. So you didn't have any money. So he said, Rebbe Lezman Hukas continued to ask him. He said, fine. And what did you think? What did you suspect me of when I said to you, I have no animals. I have no livestock. So Rebbe Kiva answered, I imagine I understood that you must have leased your livestock. You must have leased them to others, lent them to others. So Rabbi Lazib and Hokanes said, okay, so what did you, you suspect me of when you asked me for land and I didn't give it to you? So he said, I imagined that you'd leased your land out to other people too and it wasn't fluid that you could give me as payment. And when I said to you, said Rabbi Lazib and Hokanes, that I don't have any cushions, not even cushions, no produce, and no cushions. What did you, what did you, what did you suspect me of? What did you think? She so said, produce, I thought it wasn't tithed. You couldn't give it to me because you hadn't taken my sir. And when he came to the cushions, the car and the castors, what did you think? He said, Amarti, said Arikiva, Shema Hikdish Kol Nechos of Lashomayim. Maybe he's already made all your Nechosim, Hekdish, you'd given them away to Hekdish, you had nothing left. So Rebelazim and Hukness turned around and said, he said, by the divine service, I promise you, that was the truth. I have a son called Hawkinus, who was named after my father, who was not prepared to learn Torah. I did not, did not wish him to benefit from my property, from my estate. So I made a vow, and I gave everything to Hekdash. Because Shabasi Bedarim says a Gemara, when Rebelezim and Hawkinus came to his friends in the south, and he explained to them the situation, they released him, they annulled it from him, all the, the nether, they annulled the nether, and he was now able to take that money and come and pay 
Rebekiva, his worker. He finishes off with Lazman Hokinus. Va'ato, and you, Rebekiva, you're a simple man. Kishem shaddamtani l'schus. Just like you judge me favorably, hamokim yodin oischol l'schus. May HaKadosh Baruch judge you favorably. That's the first story the Gemara tells us. Unbelievable story how Rebekiva went to extremes to try and understand favorably. And let's get this clear. The Pasuk tells us initially that Gezel v'aroyos, nafshoy shaladom, mishamed o misavalehem. When it comes to stealing money, when it comes to immoral behavior, there are natural instincts in a person. Naturally, a person is in a situation where he can steal. How many people can say they haven't falsely taken money from an insurance company? How many people can say they haven't falsely taken a, a few pounds here and there from a person that they shouldn't have? Haven't been just in giving back loans, etc., trying to avoid payments. So you can imagine a Rekiva standing there and he knows there's a natural instinct of a person to steal. Let's try and let's try and do the employer out of his money. Do the employee out of his money. If I can get away with it as an employer and pay him the minimum that I need to pay him, then I'm going to do that. That's in the mind of a simple man, of a laborer. And when this wealthy Rebbe Lezabon Hawkins turns around and says, I have no money. Just imagine what went through the mind of Rebbe Kiva. I have no money? I worked with you for three years. I know what you have. I know what your state is. I know how wealthy you are. How do you have the audacity to say I have no money? But he didn't. He turned around and said he has no money. There must be a good reason why he's got no money. There must have been some prod, some an, a, a business opportunity that came his way. And he had to use the money for that. And when I said to him, when, when, he, when he then asked, so give me livestock or give me karka, give me Paris, give me karmacastus, whatever it was he asked him. And he said, no, I don't have, I don't have, I don't have, I don't have. Can you imagine what he felt? I've worked for three years. I've traveled from north down south. I've worked for three years. My wife and children were alone for three years only so that I could be able to bring home some money and feed them. And I came and worked in your employ so that I trusted you. I gave you three years credit. You didn't have to pay me for three years. And ainly, 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 ainly is the only thing you can say to me. And yet, what's clear from Rebbe Kiva, not for a moment, not for a second, did he think negatively about Rebbe Hawkness. All he could think of was, there's a valid reason why he doesn't have the money to give me. There's a good excuse why his land is not available for me to take as payment. What an unbelievable mitzvah. But Elizabeth Hawkins doesn't say, oh, Rebekah, you, you, you fulfilled such an amazing mitzvah. He gives him an unbelievable bracha. Just like you judge me favorably, HaKadosh Baruch should judge you favorably. And perhaps the Gemara is telling us here that when it comes to the mitzvah of have a donis chaveri lekafzachus, I don't know if a person is mechuyiv to go to that extreme. I'm not sure if a person is obligated to go to the extreme that Rabbi Kiva went when it came to judging a person favorably. You're in a position where you've worked and given your life for three years, and all he can say is ainly, 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 with no excuse, with no explanation. Doesn't put his arm around him and cry with him and say, you're right, I'm going to give it to you in a week's time. I'm sorry, I don't have it right now. It'll come back, etc., etc., nothing. 
All he does is ainly, 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 ainly. I don't know if, according to the basic parameters of the halacha, one is obligated to go so far and be done l'kafsechus. But Rabbi Kiva did. As a simple man, he pushed himself. He went beyond what a person's natural instinct was and is to see negative. And he had every right to see negatively in his boss's behavior. And he went beyond. He was done le kafsachus. He explained everything in a positive light. That level of done le kafsachus is where Rebelezer ben Hulkanis can turn around and say, Kishem shedantani lishchus. Just like you judged me favorably. So, so too, Hamakim Yodin Eishchus. So too, Akadosh Baruch Hu should judge you favorably. What an unbelievable example of a Don Lekavsechus, but the extremes. But then the Gemara carries on and tells us another story. Another story. The Gemara tells us there was once a man, a very pious man. Now, whenever the Gemara talks about a pious man, it usually means either Rabbi Huda ben Baba or Rabbi Huda ben Rabbi Loi. One of the great Tanoim, one of the great Tanoim in the time of the Mishnah, one of the great Tanoim. And the Gemara tells us a story. They ransomed a young Jewish girl from captivity. He was walking, he was with his Talmidim, with his disciples, and they ransomed a young Jewish girl from captivity. That night, they arrived at the inn where they were going to be staying. And the Gemara tells us that they all went to their, their rooms. You can imagine that the Tanner of Yehuda, Bariloi of Yehuda, Ben Baba would have his own room. And the Talmidim would probably share rooms, some sort of youth hostel, or whatever it was. Maybe it was a, a hotel. I have no idea. And then the Gemara tells us a strange story. So Rabbi Yehuda, or this pious man, as the Gemara describes him, said to the girl, you're going to sleep in my room, and you're going to sleep at the end of my bed. And the next morning, he gets up, he comes down, and the Gemara tells us, Yorad v'tobal v'shon l'tamidov. He went to Mikvah, came out and went and started teaching his trees Talmidim. And he says, Talmidim, Talmidim, and he says to his Talmidim, tell me, he says, when I took this girl into my room last night, what did you think? What did you think? Immediately the Talmidim answered, said, perhaps, said the Talmidim, that there's one of us, one of your pupils that you didn't fully trust, you didn't know well enough that you could trust them with a young girl and in order to prevent any mistake happening, you took her into your room. So then he said, and when I went the next morning to mikvah, which is usually a sign of inappropriate behavior, what did you think? So they said, no, we thought from the excursion of the journey, perhaps, perhaps from the excursion of the journey, perhaps you became Tommy. And he turned around, he said to Talmidim, he said, by the divine service, which is a, a terminology used when one wants to express a, a, a piece of, of information, but express it with a, a terminology of a shvur. He said, I assure you, he said, that's exactly what it was. And then he gave the same bracha. Just like you judged me favorably, HaKashvachah should judge you all favorably. Here we have a second story in the Gemara. A story of Arroyo's inappropriate behavior, which again the Pasuk tells us, every human being has a natural instinct, a natural desire for taiva, for inappropriate behavior for Arroyo's. So you can imagine the, the picture here of this young girl that's been 
ransom from captivity. Yes, he was a holy man. But every human being, every human being is suspect when it comes to Arroyos. And here he does, he takes this young girl into his room when there was no need for that because there was many other, he, she could have slept together with all the others when there was a majority of people around, a number of Talmudim around. But no, he took her into the room. One suspect behavior. And the next day he comes and he, Yorad Vatovo, another suspect behavior. And it would have been within their rights, perhaps, to say this is strange behavior for a holy man like you. What's going on here? But they didn't, not for a second. They immediately explained the behavior favorably. An extreme of understanding, extreme in being able to understand and interpret the behavior of a person. When perhaps one is not obligated, one sees a, a righteous person behaving really inappropriately as this was, and not just once, two inappropriate signs or two signs of an inappropriate behavior. As the morale points out, in the first case, we only have one thing that he did wrong. He said, Ainley, 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 I have no money. He said it a few times, but all he said was, I have no money. Here we have two signs of inappropriate behavior. One is they, they took the, the young girl into his room to sleep at night. And the other was Yorad Vatovo. And yet they still judge favorably, even in a situation where one would so easily and perhaps rightfully interpret it wrongly. When a person goes to that extreme and is prepared to take something which is so obviously wrong to everybody who sees it and is able to interpret it favorably, then we turn around to HaKadosh Baruch Hu and Yudab Eloi, or Yudab and Baba can turn around to HaKadosh Baruch Hu and say, Kishem Shedantani, Lekav Sechus, Kach, Hamokim Yodin Eschem, so to HaKadosh Baruch Hu should judge you favorably. Again, a second story of the extreme measures we need to go in order to judge favorably so that HaKadosh Baruch Hu can judge us favorably. And in a few moments, I'll explain to you how that works. Why should it be just because we judge favorably, HaKadosh Baruch Hu will judge us favorably? We'll come and we'll explain that in a moment. But first, I need to re- read to you the third story in the Gemara. Another very, very interesting story. The Gemara, the Gemara tells us a story, which is a brisa. There was the Tamid Chachomim, the Tanoim, once needed a favor from a non-Jewish noblewoman. They needed a favor from a non-Jewish noblewoman, a very aristocratic, high-ranking noblewoman. We imagine it's a Roman. And they sat down and said, "Who? which of the Tanoim, which of the great leaders in Kalisol are going to go down and ask this woman for this favor? And Rabbi Shua said, he'll go. He said, I'm prepared to go, Rabbi Shua. The holy Tanoim Rabbi Shua said, I'm prepared to go. So he went down, he traveled to Rome, I assume, with his Talmidim. And when they came to the house of the noblewoman, four hours before the house, he took off his twilling. He removed his twilling. He then knocked on the door. She opened up and she let him in. And he locked the door behind them, leaving the Talmidim outside. So he was left inside with this noblewoman on his own. Again, stayed in there for a while. After he came out, Yorad Vatobal, Vishon Al-Talmidov. Again, he went and to, to the mikvah, and he tabled with Shonel Talmidov. Here again, we have another scenario of something which is so suspect, not just one, as in the first story, not just two suspect, two suspicious actions, as in the second story, but three strange things take place in this story. He removes his tefillin. Why does he need to remove his tefillin? He then locks the door with the Talmidim outside. Why on earth does he need to do that? 
and then his yard with Tovel. Three suspicious parts, three d- different incidents that really c- cause a person to suspect him for misbehavior. And yet, he sat down with the Talmidim and he said to his Talmidim, when I took my tefillin off, what did you think? And the Talmidim said, Master, when you took your tefillin off, we thought that you didn't want to take your tefillin into a place which was unclean. The house where this noble woman lived is not a place of Kedusha, it's a place of Tumah, and you didn't want to bring your tefillin into such a place. And when you closed that, when I closed the door, said Rabbi Shua, what did you think? What did you suspect me of? And they answered, we suspected that you had some political matter to discuss with her, and you didn't want, you didn't want us to hear, so you locked the door to make sure that we couldn't hear. And when he was Yorad Vatova, what did you suspect me of then? And they said that we, we imagined that during the conversation, she must have spat at you, not intentionally, but some spit during the, the course of the, the, of the talking, and it landed on your clothes, or landed on you. And therefore you became Tommy, and therefore you went to Mikvah to purify yourself. And he turned around and he said, Avoida kachoya. He said, that's exactly as it was. And Kashem she'atem dantani l'schus, just like you judge me favorably, this Gemara goes to great length, three stories. And the Gemara won't tell us a story just for the sake of storytelling. There's no storytelling in our Gemara. The Gemara tells us a story just so we can learn and understand and then perhaps emulate to be able to receive these brachas from the three Tanoim, the three great Tanoim, of Lezab and Hukunas, Yehuda ben Baba, Yehuda ben Eloi, and from Yehoshua. If we can judge a person favorably, Stealing, gazelle, such a strange incident. Everything was pointing against Rabbi Lezabon Hawkins. Rabbi Kiva had full right to accuse him of being a, a, someone who just used him and refused to, give, to, refused to pay him his wages. He had every right to think negatively, but he didn't. The Talmudim had every right to think that their Rebbe, in, either, in both of those stories, had behaved inappropriately. Gomorrah tells us, ain't apotropis laroyus. There's no person who is in a, in a situation where one can assume he's above the concept of Arroyos, everyone. And there was such suspect, so many things that was, was suspect here, and yet they judged them favorably. Just like you judged me, so I could us. Here we learn, we're heading towards Rosh Hashanah, we're heading towards Yom Hadim. We want to understand how can we, how can we actually allow ourselves, enable ourselves to be confident and assured that HaKadosh Baruch Hu is going to judge us favorably and give us a good year, a year of Simchas, a year of Rufus, a year of Nachas, a year of Panosa, a year of every bracha, spiritual and physical. The Gemara has given us a very simple answer. It's simple, but it's difficult. Yodim, don lekapsachus, hadon chaveri lekapsachus, don inoisei lekapsachus. All we need to do is judge favorably. We need to just judge favorably. We live in times where judging favorably is something that's not in vogue. Liberalism means become totally intolerant of everybody else. We're intolerant of everybody else. We're intolerant, we're intolerant of their views. We're intolerant of what they believe. Anybody who doesn't think the same as me is considered a, an outcast. We're not able to accept. HaKadosh Baruch sent us a terrible pandemic demands of us that we have to isolate from each other. Social distancing is the new word. Social distancing. If 
Baruch sends us a message of social distancing, that's because we're, we're too distant from each other. Baruch judges us in the way that we behave. If we behave by pushing people away from us, by judging people negatively, and by not bringing people in and accepting people, say, Baruch okay, if that's what you want, I'll make it happen. Social distancing. He's asking from us, let's judge favorably. Let's Let's judge people favorably. Let's bring people together. We can't bring them physically together because there's social distancing. Yes, we need to wear masks. Yes, we need to be at a distance. Yes, we can't go to Simchas. Can't even go and visit our friends if there's more than six people in a home. But there's something we can do to bring all of us together. We can judge favorably. And if we judge each other favorably, Makarish in return will judge us favorably. How does it work? That when we judge favorably, Makarish in return judges us favorably. The Rambam tells us a fascinating thing when it comes to Rosh Hashanah. And if you open your eyes to Rosh Hashanah, you'll see that Rosh Hashanah is a very, very unusual Yom Tov. Yom Kippur, we can understand. Yom Kippur, we stand in front of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, and we say HaKadosh Baruch Hu, Hashamnu, Hagadnu, Tozalnu. We misbehaved. Here's our sins. Please wipe the sins. Wipe our slate clean. We say Vidui. We do Tshuva. We daven. Please remove all the sins. Comes to Rosh Hashanah, none of that. There's no mention of sins in Rosh Hashanah at all. In fact, you're not supposed to mention your sins in Rosh Hashanah. Even when you say, some people say you shouldn't bang because Rosh Hashanah is not a time for talking about sins. Rosh Hashanah is a time when we talk about Malchus Shanaim. That's what we're talking about. Just Malchus. We're talking about just Malchus. Strange, strange yomtiv. We're asking Akkad Shabbat to judge us favorably, and we don't even discuss and, and apologize. Nothing. We don't do anything. But the Rambam tells us a very fascinating piece of information. The Rambam tells us when it comes to Rosh Hashanah, we have a Akkad Shabbat has a scales. And if on the scale there's majority schusim, majority of merits, then a person will be signed in the Book of Life. If Chas Hashanah is the majority of sins, then he'll be signed into the book of death. If it's mechsal mechse, if it's exactly half-half, then he's a benani. He's in the middle of the road person and toilin at Yemakipur. Then he would give, we give him an extra 10 days, an extra days, well, less 10 days, eight days, nine days. We give him a few extra days to try and repent, remove the sins, and then readdress the balance on the scales. And the Ramam says not only... We don't count numbers of sins. But HaKadosh Baruch understands the severity of each sin. It could be a person does one mitzvah, and that mitzvah is so enormous, they can balance out many, 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 many Averis. And it could be somebody does many Averis, but many mitzvahs, but he's done one sin which is so severe, that it balances out those many mitzvahs. Only HaKadosh Baruch knows how to balance that scale. But if you have majority of schuyos, a single person, the Ramah says a, a country, or the whole world, then they'll be signed Nechtam and sealed in the book of life. Chasushalom, the opposite, and the opposite is true. And of course, the question is asked, what's going on here? A person does something wrong, he has to, he has to do tshuva, he has to get rid of that, that, that deed that he did wrong. What does it mean that we go by half, half? We go by majority. If somebody does something seriously wrong, he serves Avodizar, Chasushalom. But he's done more mitzvahs than Averis. So then we ignore the Avodizar. Why do we ignore the Avodizar? Rosh Hashanah is a day of judgment. Surely he's going to judge every 
action that's negative, Hakadosh Baruch is going to judge. The Rambam is telling us no. It says the Rambam, an unbelievable thing. Rosh Hashanah is not a day where Hakadosh Baruch judges your actions. That, that, that day will come. Yes, a person behaves in, in an inappropriate manner, sins, doesn't serve the British as he should. Hakadosh Baruch will find a way to make sure that he gets his fair punishment so that he can achieve the the reward that he needs eventually. But that's not Rosh Hashanah. On Rosh Hashanah, Kishbrach is interested in one thing and one thing only. Are you someone who deserves life? Or are you someone who doesn't deserve life? Are you someone who deserves spiritual life? Which camp do you belong to? Do you belong to my camp, my world, says Rebbein Shalom, or do you belong to the world which is outside of me? Are you someone who understands that in order to live, in order to survive, in order to be a, a spiritual person, you have to be someone who's just desperate to belong to the world of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Yes, you make mistakes. I understand you can make mistakes. I understand a person can sin. But where are you? Who are you? Are you someone who belongs in my world? Or are you someone who belongs in the world which is detached from me? Which world do you find yourself in? Says HaKadosh Baruch Hu on Rosh Hashanah, let me see. If you have a majority of mitzvahs, but not just in, in number, a majority of mitzvahs in reality, in, 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 in who I am. I am someone who is a majority of mitzvah man. Then he's nechtam l'chaim, because you're in my world. If you're somebody chas v'shon, who's, a, who's an Averia man, yes, you may have done mitzvahs on the side, but your, your world is a world of, of, of the physical world and detached from the spiritual world of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, then you're nechtam l'misa chas v'shon. Abeyni, we give him a chance to make amends and prove to HaKadosh Baruch Hu who he really is. So when we enter into Rosh Hashanah, we're not entering into Rosh Hashanah worried about the single deeds. So of course, the more tshuva we can do before Rosh Hashanah, the less our various will be on the scale. But primarily our focus is, who am I? What am I? Where am I? One of the most moving parts of slichas that we say every morning is at the end of the first piece, the end of the first pizman, Hanashom Aloch, Ma'aguf Shaloch, Chusa Alamaloch. We express to HaKadosh Baruch, HaKadosh Baruch, HaNesham Allah. Do you know who we are? Our Neshama belongs to you. Not just our Neshama belongs to you. Our physical guf, even the physical element of who we are, belongs to you. And once it's yours, and we understand we are you, that's who we are, we belong to your world, then then we can ask HaKadosh Baruch, please, have Rachmanus on us. Have Rachmanus. When we show HaKadosh Baruch that we understand who we are, and we're spiritual, we don't live in the physical world, then Akash Baruch will be done son of the Then he can judge us favorably. He can judge us favorably. He's not, he's not not judging us. He's judging us. But he's judging us favorably because that's how the judgment has to be. Because we are people that belong to the world of Akash Baruch We are people that understand that when Rebbe Lezabon Hokanus says, Ainli, 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 we have such a favorable understanding. He's a Jew. He's someone that belongs to Akash Baruch He's, a, he's, he's someone who belongs to the world of, of, of truth, of Torah. He's never going to deceive me. Then it must be that there's a reason why he thinks the way he does. I can judge favorably. So you truly understand who you are. You understand which world you belong in. Then I can judge you favorably too. Just like you judge me, so too. This is not about the mitzvah of being done with This goes far beyond just the plain mitzvah of being done with This takes us to a world of who we are. It defines who we are. If I'm someone that every time another person has a different opinion to me, and I'm not able to accept that, I'm not able to understand it, I'm not able to live with it, I'm not able to respect him, 
Despite that I disagree with his opinion, then I don't understand who I am and who he is. I don't understand that he is a person who is a son of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And the and I don't understand that this is my my flesh and blood. We are one unit of Kalisro. Now don't get me wrong, if somebody is a Russia or an Apikarius, then there's no mitzvah donakapsachus at all. But we're talking about everyday Jews, the Jews that we meet every day of our lives, that we come across in our own shuls, that we come across in other shuls, different Rabonin. People have different views. And particularly in 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 the pandemic and the COVID, so many of us have different views. But so what? Let's judge each other favorably. Let's accept each other. The fact that my view is diametrically opposed to his view doesn't make a slight bit of difference. He's a part of part of me. I've yet to meet when a family in, in, in disagreement, a couple in disagreement, I've yet to meet parents who will, will take the side of the opposite spouse, of the in-law. A person naturally always takes the side of his child, and so it should be. A child is your flesh and blood. How can you take the, child, the, the side of somebody else? You've got to be there for your child. You've got to be there for them. They're you. If we understand that each one of us is on a shamalach, a gufshalach, chusalamalach, then we can have a kreshbochah chusa. He can have rachmanas. He can think favorably of who we are. There's so many stories that I could share with you in the chazal on the unbelievable Response that we have from Akadish Baruch Hu when it comes to Don Lekafsechus. Stories in Nach, how Gidon saved Kalisro, Chazal tell us. Gidon saved Kalisro purely because he was Don Lekafsechus. He judged Kalisro favorably. So Akadish Baruch Hu judged Kalisro favorably. Even more than just me judging people favorably, therefore I get judged favorably. Me judging you favorably gives you the chance to be judged favorably. Gidon judged Kalisro favorably, says Chazal. So Akadish Baruch Hu judged Kalisro favorably. We find the opposite true with Dov Melech in Chazal. A missed opportunity. And therefore the Magaifo came. Many, many stories in Chazal on Don Lekafsechus. But the message is the same message. Understand that we don't belong to the world of friction, to a world of machlekes, to a world of politics. That's not our world. A world of division. That's not our world. We live in a world of an Ashomaloch, where we are one Nesham of Kalisro. We're all brothers and sisters. We all belong to the same Akadosh Baruch Hu. And there's only one Akadosh Baruch Hu. There's only a oneness around Akadosh Baruch Hu. How can we not judge favorably? Every day we say in davening, every single day in Bechus Krishma, just as we're building ourselves up to be Mekabal Oymachos Shemaim, we're building ourselves up to say, Shema Yisrael Hashem Elekein Hashem Echod. To be Mekabal Oymachos Shemaim, to accept the Oneness of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, to accept HaKadosh Baruch Hu as king over us. We do it twice a day, morning and evening, when we say Shema. And that's the theme of the whole of Rosh Hashanah. Kabbalah Zayimach HaShemayim. Malchus. We blow Shefer. So that what? To be Mamlich HaKadosh Baruch Hu. To accept HaKadosh Baruch Hu's rule. To accept him as king over us. That's what the whole of Yom Tov is. The whole of Rosh Hashanah. We say every day in Davening, Hashem Meshasav Oymdim Brumaylam. The Malachim of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Stand, Barum Oilam, high up in Shemaim, Umashmim, the Koil Divrei Lekim Chaim. And they pronounce loudly, Divrei Lekim Chaim, Melech Oilam. And then we say, Kulam Ahuvim, they all love each other. Kulam Barurim, Kulam Giboyim, Kulam Oisim Beim of Yerushan Kainam. 
You know, before they can be v'chulam mekabel malei moim achoshemayim. Before they're able to be mekabel malei moim achoshemayim zemizeh, they have to be kulam ahuvim. All the malachim in shemayim, all the mishasav, oimdim berumaylam, all those malachim who stand in shemayim have to be kulam ahuvim. If they're not kulam ahuvim, they can't stand in front of Hakadosh Baruch Hu and be mekabel moim achoshemayim. Now let's understand who are these malachim. Who are these malachim that stand in shemayim on mekabel moim achoshemayim? We know there's some malachim who are what we call Malachi Din. Malachim who pass judgment. And then we have different Malachim who are Malachi Chesed. Malachim that give mitat Chesed. Chesed and Din are diametrically opposed. Din says, don't give. Don't allow this person. Don't give him the bracha. Don't give him what you want to give him. Stop. That's what Din means. Din means stop. If I want to prove that I'm strong, what do I do? I take a piece of metal and I break it in half. Wow, that shows you how strong I am. What did I do? I just destroyed something. Strength. Din destroys. That's what din means. Person comes in front of judgment and they judge, the judge judges him that he's a murderer. Capital punishment. Lock him away. That's din. Destroy. Cause period. And on the other side, we have a, a malach called the malach of chesed. What does that malach of chesed want? He wants only good for you. He wants to give you everything you need. He wants you to have everything. He wants to judge you favorably. He wants you to be just whatever you want you can have. They're diametrically opposed. You can't get two opposite views. And we have those views in Shemaim, those Malachim. Opposite, complete opposite end of the spectrum. Malachi Din and Malachi Chesed. And yet, Kula Mahuvim. They all stand there together in unity, loving each other, understanding each other, accepting each other's differences. And only then are they kula makab malem oymachoshemayim. Only then are they able to accept upon themselves oymachoshemayim. That's a fascinating message for us. That before we stand in Rosh Hashanah, before we stand in Tefillah in Rosh Hashanah, we need to be kula mahuvim. Kula mahuvim. And we live in times where kula mahuvim is so difficult. And it's not an easy job. It's extremely difficult. He is wearing a mask. He's not wearing a mask. He's diving in his garden. He's the, he shouldn't be diving in his garden. He goes into shops and he doesn't behave. There's social distance. He should behave in social distance. There's so many reasons for us to judge, not to judge, not, not to judge favorably. So many reasons for us to think and look negatively. That's not how we should be. I'm not condoning anybody who doesn't keep social distancing. I'm not condoning anybody who doesn't wear a mask. All I'm saying is we need to judge favorably. We need to judge favorably. This shul is cutting back half of, of the Rosh Hashanah Davni. This shul is not. So what? Judge each other favorably. Different people have different views. Different people have different perspectives on the same situation. You can be a malach of din and a malach of chesed and together they can be kula mahuvim. And it's only when that malach of din and that malach of chesed is kula mahuvim can we be kula mekab malim are we able to accept upon ourselves, the Malchus of the Rebbeinu Shleilam? Can we stand and hear that shofar, that sound of that shofar, which proclaims the oneness of HaKadosh Baruch Hu? But if we're not one, if we're divided, how can we, how can we proclaim, proclaim the oneness of HaKadosh Baruch Hu? I just want to finish with two more points. The first is that Rizal tells us, and I've mentioned this before, Rizal tells us that before a person starts davening every morning, Shachris, and Shachris is a build-up, as we know, that when you daven shachris, you start off with korbanos. That's in order to rectify and sanctify the physical person, like, like the animalistic side of a person. And then we say pesuket de zimra, which is the 
Zimra means zemer to sing, which is the the proclamation of man. The ability man has to speak and and and, and sing shir to Hakadosh Baruch Hu. And then we move into Kabbalah's Omach Hashemayim, which is the Krishna Shema Yisrael Hashem Lekin Hashem Echad. And once we've done that, we can move into the domain of Hakadosh Baruch Hu Yochel. We can do Shema in Esra, but we stand there like a malach with our legs together, totally like an angel, detached from every physical aspect of the world. In the world of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, and at that point I'm able to ask HaKadosh Baruch Hu, please HaKadosh Baruch Hu, give me everything. Give me what I need. Give me Das. Give me Panosa. Give me Brocha. Give me good health. Everything that we need. Once you're in the domain of the Rebbe you can ask for anything. But before we do that, says Arizal, one's got to accept upon himself how can you allow yourself to go and climb right into the sanctity of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, right away into the Kodesh Kedoshim, into the Lifla'in Lifnim, like the, the Kohen Godel does on a Yom HaKippurim, and be at a dispute with our fellow man? How can I think negatively of another person? Yes, he's got a different opinion to me. And it's totally, I think his opinion is totally wrong, but I still love him. I'm going to judge him favorably. That's his perspective on something. That's how HaKadosh Baruch Hu gave him his nature, his personality. He's more anxious. He's less anxious. He's more worried. He's less worried. Who cares? That's how he understood the halacha. I may understand the halacha differently, but he worked through the halacha and understands it that way. If you love and you have kula mahuvim, then you can begin to climb. You can climb through from from Kabonis to Pesukit Zimra and then to Kabonis together with the malachim. As we say, Kaddish, Kaddish, Kaddish. The malachim are saying Kaddish, Kaddish, Kaddish. And then I can say Hashem's Fosatiftoch and allow me into the Kodesh Kedosh. There can be no better preparation for this year's Yom Nirayim. HaKadosh Baruch has shown us so clearly what we need to do. Social distancing. But let it just be social distancing. Let that distance, which is the real kurva, the real love, the real connection that we really have with one another, let that be there intact, in place. Let there be a positive, positive feel, positive feeling for everybody. And if we can do that, then the Russian return will remove the social distancing, will remove the pandemic, and send us a year of bracha. Can I make a suggestion? I hope you don't mind if I make a suggestion. But every year I like to suggest something that we can do, particularly when we're talking to the women, something that the women are able to take on themselves, which is easy, and not too much effort, not too much work, but something so relevant to what we've discussed this evening. We have the art that brought out the Daily Companion when it comes to Shmir Saloshan. Little book of Daily Companion where every day you can read a page or two pages or three pages between now and Yom Kippur just to read some more halachas of Lashon Hara, how not to. Chizuk, it's basically different chizuk, words which encourage us, enable us to think positively about each other and not to talk negatively. It's so easy to talk negatively. It's so hard to be Don Le You have to go to an extreme, the Gemara tells us. That's the message of the story, the three stories that we started with. You have to go to an extreme to judge favorably, but judge favorably we must. We must judge favorably because we want to accept the malchus of the Rebbein Shalom. We want HaKadosh Baruch in return to show us that he's, his, uh, he's our melech and he's there. A king only wants the best for his people. A Moshal rules. He doesn't care about his, about his nation, but a king cares. But in order for HaKadosh Baruch to be a king, we need to accept him upon ourselves. Let's show HaKadosh Baruch that we belong to him. We belong to his world. We belong to the world of HaKadosh Baruch And the Shomalach Vaguvshalach. We know that we understand and we appreciate that every aspect of our lives is HaKadosh Baruch 
And the best way we can do that is by loving everybody, talking positively about everybody, accepting everybody. And if we were able to take on ourselves, at least between now, as we build up towards Rosh Hashanah, and at least Yom HaKippurim, if you want to go beyond Rishana Rabbi, even better, every day learn one or two pages from the Daily Companion and the Shemir Shaloshan. It would give us such enormous chizuk. It would make us feel so much more positive towards each other. And then Akash in return will give us a ksivim chasim We'll see the end of all the tzoros. And I can tell you, Rabbi, it's been a really, really hard year. I'm just sitting here looking at the people on the, uh, on, on, on the Zoom here tonight. And I can see so much tzoros that we've been through this year. So much. But you know what? That sorrow can come to an end so quickly and so easily. And not just it can come to an end. It can actually turn to, to joy and simcha and happiness. If all we need to do is just remove the distancing. Create kurva, create positive relationships by thinking positively of each other and realizing that we belong and we're all the family and the children of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Then HaKadosh Baruch Hu in return will shower us with every bracha that we can have. A year of Bonichai Mazoni, a year of Shefa Brachovatslocha, Gzunt and Nachas for everybody. Have a very good evening and thank you very much for listening. Good night.